are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. We are the New York Knicks. Say go New York, go New York, go. On the fourth score and Morris 94 and the Knicks are hardcore and I'll tell you like this we ain't never look sharp with Hubert You are now listening to the Knicks State of Mind podcast presented by Elite Sports Radio and now your hosts Chip Murphy and Matt Castillo Hello everybody and welcome to the Knicks State of Mind podcast I'm Matt Castillo with Chip Murphy and that just a reminder for you guys you can follow us on Twitter at NYK SOM podcast and also give a little update we had a poll out and we discussed the triangle offense last week and we we talked about if the Knicks can be successful running the triangle offense or even if the triangle offense can be successful in the NBA and our poll is 62% say no and 38% say yes so I don't think that's a surprise there Chip that Many do not feel like the triangle is the way to go for the Knicks. Not a surprise at all. I mean, most fans seem like they're kind of over the triangle. As we talked about on the show before, Phil has his kind of cult following that won't give up on him or the triangle. But most fans seem to be as over the triangle as they are Phil. So, no, the results aren't a surprise. I'm actually shocked that even the 38% said that it would work. So I'm, I was actually a little surprised by that, that that many people feel like the triangle should work. I guess there's more, I guess, Phil Jackson supporters than I than I would think. Uh, I thought that would be way lower. I was going to tell you, there's a lot, there's a lot more. I, like I said, I'm on Nick's Twitter every day, and he has so many cult followers more than you could possibly imagine. It's they're like obsessed with with uh, supporting him. I, I I don't understand it. I know you feel the same way about him as I do, and it's it's strange to me that they can so uh, vehemently defend a guy who's had so little success. But yeah, they they believe in the triangle as much as they believe in him, and yeah. It's so the 38% isn't a surprise to me. No. Well, with that being said, Chip, we're going to kind of start the show talking about the NBA Finals right now. It, it's not yeah. looking too good. It's not looking like it's going to be a very exciting series at all. The Cavaliers have gotten destroyed in both the games so far. So the Warriors have a 2-0 lead heading to Cleveland for the next two games. And, and Chip, I'm curious, do you think that there's any way – the Cavaliers are going to be able to do what they did last year and come back from this? I mean, I know they started off 2-0 and last year. I know they were down 3-1. Do you see the Cavaliers pulling this out? I still think they can pull it out because they have LeBron, but I think their chances are very slim. I, I give them like a 10% chance because they have LeBron. I mean, God, their bench has been embarrassingly bad. You look at Darren Williams last night, looked like he didn't even belong on the court. He put up a goose egg last night in 14 minutes. They're role players in general. I mean, J.R. Smith played two minutes mm. in the second half last night. Uh, he only put up two shots the entire game. Uh, Richard Jefferson, I don't even know why he's playing. 
Yes. He looks just old out there. And Iman Shumpert, uh, he can't score. I mean, he was one of six last night, but he played 20 minutes. He has to because he's the only one who can defend on the perimeter. Yep. They don't really uh, have Kyle a choice. Corver played. Yeah, they don't have, like, yeah, they don't have a choice. He's the only one who can guard on the perimeter off the bench. Kyle Corver can't guard. Kyle at Corver. At the same time, Corver's not, yet. Yeah, Kyle Corver's not making his threes either. That's right. You know, he was one for three. Yeah, he was one for three last night. And that's what they yeah. brought him in to do, and he's just, he's useless out there. Like, he is not looking like Kyle Corver that we've seen over the course of his career. You know, a lot yeah. of these guys, you mentioned J.R. Smith, and we kind of touched him last week about, you know, the, the stupid fouls that he does. And, and uh, I mean, last night, if you watched the game, it was a prime example. I mean, fouling jump shooters and then doing that look to the referee, like, what did I do? I mean, completely just clueless. And, I mean, I'm looking right now. First of all, let's, you know, we, we talked about it with Golden State winning 73 games last year, and then they get an MVP. Yeah and an NBA All-Star and Kevin Durant, and it's just not fair. And that's something that everybody already knows, but you're actually really just seeing this in, in this final so far. It's kind of like, it doesn't matter what Cleveland can do, Kevin Durant is just killing them. Yeah, 33 points again last night uh, with 13 rebounds. Uh, S- uh, Stephen Curry finally has arrived at the NBA Finals. Those two alone are just tearing it up. Like, there's literally nothing that can be done. You know, you put LeBron James on Kevin Durant, he's still hitting ridiculous shots. I mean, Curry gets switched on LeBron and made him look foolish. You know, and I think it was in the second half in the third quarter where, you know, Curry called an isolation basically and dribbled for 22 seconds or so and finally got past LeBron and laid it in. But, it, it's just one of those things where you're just seeing the complete dominance with adding Kevin Durant. And it's just one of those things where, I mean, you don't even know what the Cavaliers can do. I will say they were in that game until about the ending of the third quarter. Um, you know, LeBron James, like you said, Chip, I agree with you. Just because LeBron James is on that team, you can't ever count the Cavaliers completely out. Um, I also will give a little credit right here to Kevin Love. Kevin Love is playing really good in this series. Uh, He had 27 points last night. I think he had, what, 15 points or 21 points and 15 rebounds in the first game. So Kevin Love is doing his job. But the person, Chip, and I I think you can agree with me, where is Kyrie Irving? What is he doing? I mean, I I, I think he's 34%. 34% shooting from the game, 8 of 23. I mean, he still has his 19 points. But there is no way that this team is going to be able to beat the Golden State Warriors when Kyrie Irvin is shooting 34%. Do you agree with me on that, Chip? Absolutely. And remember, I think it might have gotten in his head a little bit when everybody before the game in the media was pumping him up, saying, uh, oh, he's a better big game player than Steph. And now look at what's happening. Steph is coming out and impressing everybody. Steph had a triple-double last night. By the way, no one was talking about it. Oh, yeah. Steph it's his first, his, his first one, too. His first one of the playoffs, I'm pretty night. sure. So Yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, he almost had a quadruple-double, by the way. He had eight turnovers. 
<laughs> that would have been hysterical. Oh, man, that would have been but, yeah, a complete uh, day. That's a yeah. great stat line right there if you can add the turnovers in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously just kidding, but, I mean, yeah. right but, now, but these look, guys. Man, as far as the Kyrie Irving thing, that's Clay Thompson. He's been – and finally he broke through last night shooting the ball, which was horrible for Cleveland mm-hmm. because he played – Excellent last night. Eight of 12 for 22 points. He was extremely efficient. And that's bad news for Cleveland if he's going to start to heat up because they don't have a chance if all three of those exactly. guys are on fire at the same time. Exactly. I mean, they're screwed. 33 yeah. points from Durant, 32 from Curry, 22 from Clay Thompson. And, and Draymond oh, Green yeah, sat out most of the night because of foul trouble. He still had 12 points. Yeah, exactly. Still shot 50% from the three point line. And, and you know, LeBron James had to do everything last night. I mean, and what I saw they were in a lot of trouble was late in that third quarter, and you could see LeBron was just fatigued and started settling for those outside shots, was taking those deep threes. And Golden State's going to let him take mm-hmm. that all day. I mean, that is – Of course. That, that's – okay, go ahead. If you're going to make that, fine, whatever. And to me, that's when – Kyrie Irving has to start inserting himself into the game. When LeBron starts to get yeah. tired, Kyrie has to be the guy to start racking up when he gets that hot shooting and it scores like 10 points within two minutes. And it simply just was not there last night at all. And, I mean, to me, I think the only way Cleveland is going to have a chance is if that's the case. If LeBron James you know, needs a little – even if he's on the floor, he might still need – three or four minutes of somebody else with the hot hand, that has to be Kyrie Irving. I mean, I guess we mentioned Kevin Love is doing his job, but Kyrie Irving has to play better. And then you're right on the money with the the Cavaliers bench. I mean, you mentioned uh, Darren Williams. I mean, it's scary to think about that he was one of the best point guards in the league a few years ago. If yeah. you're if you're watching it now, you're thinking this guy is a total scrub. Like there, you wouldn't believe if somebody didn't watch basketball four or five years ago, and if you told them that that guy was top three in the point guard position, you wouldn't believe it. It is sad to see how pitiful and embarrassing it is that he's on the floor stinking it up like that. Uh, you mentioned Shumpert. Shumpert, one of six shooting. Now, the only thing I can say about Shumpert is he's, he's at least giving effort. I mean, he's trying to attack the basket, but he is just not. He definitely and is. He's not an offensive threat at all. Uh, some of those he jump shots. Can't, against this team, he can't, he can't do anything no. on offense. He can't. And then I'm also looking, Chip, I see Chan, uh, Channing Fry. We talked about him a little bit being a guy that comes on the floor and yeah. gets his minutes, got to hit his shots. One of five. One of five shooting. Yeah. Got his shot thrown down his throat by Iguodala. By He thought he was right at the rim, thought I'll just flip it up nice and easy, and Iguodala just threw it down his throat. I mean, right now, it does not look good for, for the Cavaliers at all. Hopefully, going home – can give them some momentum. Um, you know, I think they're in a situation where they need these two games. They definitely need them. I, I, I think if they can somehow get it to 2-2 going back into game five, I, I think they have a great chance. I think if they go down even 3-1 again, 
I, I don't see a comeback. They I know. have to win both. Yeah. They have to win the next two. Yeah, I think they have to win the, next two. the next two is absolutely crucial for them because, it, like I said, I don't. if they're down 3-1, it's not, it's not like last year. It's not. It's, it's, no. You know, no. Kevin Durant is not Harrison Barnes. And I know that's been said a million and one times <laughs> that, you know, the shots that Harrison Barnes could not hit in that finals was a big part of why the Cavaliers were able to come back and win that. Kevin Durant is, is hitting those shots. There's just no way. They have to find a way to win at home. And then, you know, you're looking at if they can win their games at home, you just need to find a way to steal one from Golden State, whether if that's in Game 5 or in Game 7. But that that's where I'm at. I'm in total agreement with you, Chip, that Cavaliers are in desperate need to win these next two games. But I think we're going to wrap up our first segment, and we're going to move on to Nick Talk. We're going to talk about Ricky Rubio, a lot of trade discussions with him becoming a Nick. So we'll get into that in just a moment. Hello everybody, Matt Castillo, the co-host of the Nick State of Mind podcast and contributor to Elite Sports New York. You can follow me at Twitter at MattyDiesel15 to get my latest articles, videos, and podcasts. Make sure to follow Elite Sports New York's Twitter as well at Elite Sports NY and the rest of Elite Sports New York's social media pages to stay up to date to all the New York sport news. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Nick State of Mind podcast. Now we have a, a special guest joining us today on the show, a longtime buddy and a former boss of mine when I was writing for Skyscraper Sports, Stephen Tanaka. So Stephen, thank you for joining us. No problem. Anytime, man. Glad to be here. And we're going to talk about the Ricky Rubio trade rumors now. This is something that has kind of been associated with Rubio and the Knicks for quite a while, basically since he was drafted into the league. If you guys remember, uh, he was drafted by Minnesota, and he spent his first two years actually still playing his contract out in Spain. There was a lot of talks about how he did not even want to come play for Minnesota, wanted to play for a bigger market like L.A. or New York. So it's nothing new. Um, We saw him right around the trade deadline, the trade rumors about Ricky Rubio, possibly a trade-up for uh, Derek Rhodes, and they're picking back up again now in, in the offseason. So, Chip, I'm going to start with you. Would you love if the New York Knicks were able to acquire rookie Rubio? Do you think he would be a good fit with the Knicks? I think he'd be a great fit with the Knicks. Uh, we always talk about how Christoph Sporzingis needs a pass-first point guard, someone to set him up and to make plays for him. And I think Ricky Rubio can be that guy. He developed a great rapport with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins in Minnesota. And I think he can do something similar with uh, Porzingis in New York. And Stephen, I'm going to ask you the same thing. Do you think that Rubio is a good fit for the Knicks? Yeah, I, I agree with Chip. I mean, he's not the greatest offensive player, you know, scoring-wise and everything like that. Like you said, I mean, he sets up his teammates. You look at what he's doing with guys uh, in, in Minnesota with guys like Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. I mean, they're flourishing with them over there, so I don't see why uh, it wouldn't work in New York with Porzingis. And, again, defensively, the Knicks are always looking for defensive players. They can never seem to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also a pretty good defender, uh, a lot of steals and everything like that. Um, he's not a lockdown defender, let's say, like you no, 
really no one can guard guys like Steph Curry and Kyrie and everything like that. But um, when you look at what he's doing in Minnesota with all those young guys, I, don't, I think that if the Knicks push the reset button officially and trade a Carmelo and everything like that and they brought him over here, I, I don't think there would be a problem with him fitting in. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I think Rubio would be a great fit for the Knicks. Um, I, I wanted Phil Jackson to make that trade back in the dead uh, by the deadline, and uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure what fell through on it was that Phil was trying to get another first round pick, and Minnesota was not willing to give that, so that trade kind of fell through. But I, I felt like Ricky Rubio would be an excellent fit. He's a pass first guard, like you guys said, not really the biggest offensive threat um you know not the greatest outside shooter either but he has that he gets the ball moving he sets up his teammates well um and also a really good defender like Stephen, you pointed out that the knicks don't have any defensive-minded players and he's certainly a guy that comes in and, and commits himself to the defensive end you know he's a guy that's uh, really a pest on defense really gets in there and annoys the other point guards um and I know I talked a little bit about on the show about Jason Kidd, and that's who he kind of reminds me of, a guy that you know gets eight, ten points a game, double-digit assists, a very good rebounder as well. So I, I like the way that he directs the offense. But, Chip, I'm going to ask you, if the Knicks are to possibly make this trade, what, what are the moves the Knicks can give them? What can they offer them to get Ricky Rubio? Well, I think everybody should be on the table via a trade, except for Porzingis. I know a lot of people like Hernan Gomez, but I think Hernan Gomez should be on the table, too. Now, I don't think Minnesota will be interested in Hernan Gomez. They have a lot of bigs. They don't really need any. Uh, I think Minnesota would probably be interested in Courtney Lee. He seems like a Tom Thibodeau kind of player, and Minnesota's defense was horrible last year and Courtney Lee would definitely help them out in that way. And it looks like they're going to try and trade their shooting, their current shooting guard, Zach Levine, so they would need help there. Uh, so I think Courtney Lee would be someone they could offer, and that report just came out that uh, the Knicks were listening to offers for Courtney Lee. So I think Courtney Lee is a guy that they could look to move. And, Stephen, do you agree with that? Do you think that the, the biggest piece the Knicks can offer, because they don't they don't have a lot that they can trade. The Knicks are very um, – they, they lack the, the personnel, I guess, to make a lot of these trades, and that's been the issue with them. But, Stephen, do you, do you think Courtney Lee is the biggest piece that the New York Knicks can trade in order to acquire Rubio? I mean, not necessarily specifically Rubio, but I just think anybody, Courtney Lee, is the biggest piece. Um, but – you know, you're talking a little bit about Rubio and that whole trade trade that fell apart before the deadline, which is, it was so frustrating because, um, you know, some of the things I was hearing, I mean, I don't have any inside sources or anything like that, but the whole thing was that it was going to be Rose for Rubio straight up, and then uh, Phil wanted more, and then supposedly at the end, right before the trade deadline, Phil was like, okay, you know, I can't get any more out of you, let's just do this, uh, Rubio for Rose straight up, and Minnesota backed out of it, that's, that's what I heard. So the fact that like we're talking about this, and obviously Derek Rose's contract's expiring, so he's going to be a free agent this summer. So we pretty much could have got Rubio for about a month or two of Rose, which would have been awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if if the Knicks really wanted Rubio, I think Courtney Lee would be a great piece to trade. And like you said, they don't really have that many great pieces. I mean, Holiday's going to be a free agent. He would have been a nice piece. Um, 
I mean, Melo, obviously, but, you know, I don't think he's going to... Melo would be tough to do the trade clause. You know, he's not going to want to go to Minnesota, um, despite that they have a pretty good young team. But that's not, yeah, that's not the destination for Carmelo Anthony either. Um, So, Chip, I, I believe it was you that wrote the article about Ricky Rubio uh, possibly being acquired by the Knicks. And you talked about his passing inside the post, um, utilizing uh, uh, Carl Anthony Towns. Just talk about how how much you think he can have an impact on Persingas. Well, for one, uh, Towns was phenomenal off Rubio's passes. You know, he uh, uh, he made... uh, uh, one of the points that I made in the article was Rubio or Rubio made uh, 1,300 passes to Towns last year. And Porzingis has uh, received 1,400 passes over the past two seasons from the two different point guards he's uh, played with. You know, So wow. Dean Rose passed to Porzingis 638 times this year. Wow. I mean, it's just such a telling stat. And uh, Towns shot 38% on threes from uh, Rubio passes and 53% overall. I mean, he set up Towns really well. And I think he could do something similar for Porzingis. He put the ball in the right spot for Towns. And I think he could do the same thing for KP. I mean, Towns is obviously the superior player, but I think he could just make Porzingis better. You know, and Rose did not make Porzingis better. That was clear. They didn't click, and I think Rubio and Porzingis would click. And, Stephen, I want you to kind of piggyback off that. You, um, you know, Chip thinks that Porzingis and Rubio would uh, be a good fit, but do you think that Rubio would be a good fit for Porzingis and, and perhaps make it a little bit easier for Porzingis to, to score the basketball? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, those stats were pretty telling. I mean, Rose 600 passes to Porzingis and, uh, you know, Rubio had double that. So, I mean, you know, he actively looks for his guys and Rose didn't actively look. He would have tunnel vision when he would get in the lane, which drove me crazy, you know, when he would have Porzingis opening for three in the corner. And uh, Chip said that Carl Anthony Towns shot 38% from three, you said, off Rubio passes? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and... I think that Porzingis is a better shooter, you know, from three than Carl Anthony Towns, so I can only imagine what that would do mm-hmm. for him in the wide open. I mean, Rubio, to me, kind of reminds me um, of another foreign player the Knicks had, like a younger version of him, Pablo Prigioni. Uh, yep. Kind of that yeah. scrappy defensive guy with, you know, always looking to pass. I mean, Prigioni used to literally pass out of wide open layups for threes and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> um, that. That drove people crazy, too, but everyone loved him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you look at what he's doing for Collington Towns, like all those stats that Chip just said, there's no reason to think that he wouldn't be able to do that uh, with Porzingis, even though the Knicks would be running the triangle um, and all that, all that nice stuff. So, definitely agree with you guys. I think that Rubio would definitely make it a whole lot easier and, and actually look to feed Porzingis. Now, the one thing though is, and something I've said before, I, I think. Przingis needs to develop a, a game with his back to the basket, and um, yeah. that's one thing I would say. Towns mm-hmm. is so much more advanced right now than Przingis with you know being able to finish 
in the post. Um, but I, I just think about that in the future because I, I look at Persingas' work ethic and I, I believe eventually over time he's you know, we already see him on Instagram um calling himself Ivan yeah. Drago when he's working out, you know, and uh yeah. just wanna point out Persingas, you got a long way to go. You know, you gotta keep pumping the iron. Uh you're still kinda kinda skinny up there. But um you know, he he's working hard and I, I think it would be a, just an excellent um set up for the future when Brzinga starts to fill out when he starts to learn a post game and when he has somebody that is pass first um like you guys talked about Derek Rose Derek Rose is not really a pass first guard he's looking to score and I think because of that you know we just talked about the touches that Brzinga gets it's a little disappointing because the guy seven foot three I mean he does things that guards are able to do to shoot off the dribble. I mean, and when you can find a point guard like Rubio that will be looking to give the ball up to him, and when Przingis does fill out and develops a post game, I think that's scary. I think that's a really scary combination, those two. So that is something that I would absolutely love to see in the future. You guys, Chip, do you agree with me? Do you think that's something that excites you for the future if, if Rubio was to become a Nick with Przingis' development? Uh-huh. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Like you said, uh, Rose did nothing to help Porzingis. He really didn't. And I think Rubio and Rubio could help Porzingis along. You know, he did it for Wiggins and he did it for Towns. And like I said, Porzingis might not be as talented as Towns, but I think uh, Rubio could get a lot more out of him than Rose could, and he could definitely get more of him than any teenager could uh, than, would that we could get with uh, our draft pick this year. So, yeah, I think it's worth the trade. I really do. And, and Stephen, one thing that we talked about, me and Chip, we, we feel like the New York Knicks, if they were able to find a point guard, I know Derrick Rose was a whole lot better than what the New York Knicks had at the point guard position over the last few years, obviously better than Jose Calderon. But, you know, we talked about the the Knicks need a point guard. If they could find a point guard, that can turn around the organization. If the Knicks were able to get Ricky Rubio, do you think right away that could make the New York Knicks at least a playoff team next year? Um, Just the addition of Rubio? Yeah. Honestly, I don't. I wouldn't be able to tell because it's so hard to see what's going to happen with the rest of the roster, like Melo, uh, even guys like Courtney Lee. Um, somehow, if the Knicks get rid of Noah, it's like we really the roster could look so much different next year. But I feel like if you put Rubio on the team from last year, I think they would be a lot closer than they would have been to the playoffs um, over Rose. Because, like you said, Rose wasn't a pass first point guard, but I would kind of disagree because he's not a pass first, pass second, or pass third point guard. That guy gets in the lane and he, you know, <laughs> he has his eyes on the rim. He doesn't even look at anyone else. Um, so not only would it help Porzingis offensively, but defensively as well. How many times did, was Rose beat off the screens of pick and rolls last year? You know, I was having flashbacks with Calderon um, over the past couple of yeah, years. Exactly. But no, like defensively too, like 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 we said, he's, he's a good defender. He's a pesky defender, and he would be up in point guard spaces, and you know, not saving all of his energy for driving into the lane like Derrick Rose did. 
And Chip, I'm going to ask you the same thing. And Stephen, you made a great point that it's kind of hard to pinpoint with you know some of the roster changes that could happen. But Chip, I'm going to say, let's say that this roster is the same: Carmelo Anthony, Porzingis, but Rubio is added. Do you think he's enough to at least get the Knicks back in the playoffs? I think he's enough to get them very close. I think he's enough to make them compete for the eight seed. Yeah, because the East is very weak. It also, it depends, like, are the Pacers going to trade Paul George? Could the Bulls trade Jimmy Butler? That's going to open up some spots. Because uh, that would be, the Pacers would be blowing it up, or the Bulls would be mm-hmm. blowing it up. But, yeah, I I mean, like Stephen said, uh, I think if you flip Rose and Rubio this year, I think the Knicks could have definitely competed for the eighth spot. So, yeah, I think Rubio now next year's team with the, the same guys, minus Rose, obviously, would be competing for a playoff spot for sure. I agree with you, Chip. I think the thing you just said was I think the Knicks would at least be an eighth seed. And uh, we all know how that would work out if the Knicks were the eighth seed and uh, having to face either like a team like Boston or or Cleveland, uh, it'd be an early exit. But I mean, we're there at least, you know, it's been what, four years since we made the playoffs. So, I mean, at this point, I'm willing to take a first round sweep. I know some people won't want to take that. What's the point of going there if we're not going to be competitive? And I can see that. But I mean, it'd be nice to play some competitive basketball by the end of April for once. But um, we're going to wrap up this part of the segment, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the rumors that the New York Knicks are looking to get another draft pick, especially with the Portland Trailblazers who have three first-round picks, and we can look at some of the possible options that the Knicks can take in the later part of the first round. Hi, everybody. This is Chip Murphy, co-host of the Knicks State of Mind podcast and boss of all New York Knicks content at EliteSportsNY.com. To follow my work, you can find me on Twitter at at Chipper Murphy. Everybody, and welcome back to the Knicks State of Mind podcast now. The latest rumors, the Portland Trailblazers, they have multiple first-round picks. They have the 15th pick, the 20th pick, and the 26th pick. And we all know that Phil Jackson has a strong desire to acquire another first-round pick. So the trade rumors are swelling right now that the New York Knicks need to jump on that to get another pick, and Portland would be the best team to trade with. So my, I think I think we're all in the same boat where we think if the Knicks are going to make this kind of trade, uh, the biggest guy to offer would be either somebody like Hern Gomez, but the big one would be Courtney Lee. Um, as much as I like Courtney Lee, I'm in the boat of getting another draft pick. Um, I think that's definitely the smartest move for the Knicks. Chip, would you agree with that? I think it would help. Yeah, and like you said, Courtney Lee, I think, would be worth trading. So i trade Courtney Lee for that uh, 15th pick for sure. And Steven, same question to you. Do you think it's even wise for the Knicks to go ahead and get another first-round pick? Um, honestly, like I've kind of been saying, it honestly depends on this whole Mellow situation because if Mellow stays and they don't officially push the reset button, I could see them trying to compete for the playoffs again. And I don't know if, a, you know, a guy in the 15th uh, pick would 
kind of help them out more than Courtney Lee. But if they go ahead and push the reset button and Phil trades Melo and they say, let's start this thing over, let's blow it up, then, yeah, that makes complete sense, especially if, you know, the Blazers give up 15, yeah. Absolutely. I think for, like I said, I think it would be smart for the Knicks because of the reputation that this draft is having, they're regarding it as one of the largest or the most uh, deepest talented drafts in, in quite some time. So there's definitely some players that will be available with that pick, um, especially if the Knicks were able to get like the 15th. I, I don't. I think that's probably the less likely one they get. I can see them getting the 20th or maybe the 26th if they offered somebody like Courtney Lee and you know maybe some other um, you know fine tuning to that deal to get that pick. Um, but with that said, with the rumors that the Knicks are trying to get. A, another pick from Portland. Uh, some of the names that are popping up. Justin Jackson from North Carolina. Caleb Swanigan for Purdue. And Bam Adebayo from Kentucky. And Chip, I'm going to start with you. I think it's the obvious one, but uh, which one of those players would you like to see in a Nick uniform if the Knicks were able to get another pick? Yeah, it is the obvious one. Justin Jackson is definitely the preferred of the three. He projects as a three and D wing, and that's what every team wants right now. So, you know, he really improved. He uh, declared for the draft last year, actually, and uh, decided to come back, which was smart, because he really improved his game. Uh, Last year as a sophomore, he only shot 29% from three, and uh, this year he shot 37% on 284 attempts. So he really improved, and he won ACC Player of the Year. As we know, North Carolina won the national championship. He really upped his stock. Uh, He's a little skinny. I remember reading something that said he's probably too skinny to defend fours, so we'll only be able to defend threes for now at the next level. And he's already 22, but which is probably why he's going to fall to the 15th pick. But, yeah, he had a really good combine. And I think out of those three, he's definitely the preferred choice. But he's uh, smart, and he didn't make a lot of mistakes in North Carolina. And uh, he's a spot-up shooter. And like we said, if the Knicks were to trade Courtney Lee for the pick, it would be in need of a spot-up shooter. And Justin Jackson could step in and be that guy. And, Stephen, I'm going to ask you, I see that Jackson plays small forward. Obviously, right now, the New York Knicks have a starting small forward in Carmelo Anthony, and it's very difficult to trade him. More than likely, he will be on the team. Um, but if, if the New York Knicks were to, able to get somebody like Justin Jackson, do you think it would be an ideal situation for a player like him because he wouldn't have to start right away and he would have – Carmelo Anthony, you know, able to reign that position for at least a few years before he would have to step into a bigger role. Do you think that it would be a good fit for Jackson because you can learn from somebody like Carmelo Anthony? Um, that last point I agree with. I agree that Melo could teach him a lot, especially offensively. Jackson seems like a pretty good defender. He's lengthy and everything like that. So I don't think – and like Chip said, he has to like build a little more muscle. Um but I think offensively, Carmelo would help him more. But would it be the best fit? I don't know because um, 
because if Melo's still on the team, he's not going to play that much. And if you remember when Porzingis was drafted uh, and he was announced as one of the starters, everybody kind of, not threw a fit, but everyone was, you know, a little surprised because they thought this guy might not be ready for a couple of years. But the Knicks said, no, let's throw him into the fire. Let's let him go. Let's let him learn on the court and everything like that. And he did. I mean, that first year he learned really, really quickly. And he's still like a, you know, so much further than anyone thought he was going to be. So, and Justin Jackson, like Chip said, he's 22. So it's not like he's, you know, an 18, 19 year old guy coming out of college or overseas. I mean, he's, he's mature enough, I think, to start um, right away and to learn like Porzingis did his rookie year. So I think that if Melo's on the team, I don't know if it would really be the best fit. Um, but I think that he sh- if the Knicks do draft him, they should start him. And um, that would obviously have be to move Melo. That would include moving Melo. But yeah, I think I think he's a starter if he's drafted to the Knicks. And Chip, I'm going to – Stephen kind of touched on that. Um, if, you know, Carmelo Anthony was gone – and they got the 15th pick somehow, and I know we're playing a lot of what-ifs, and that's basically all you really can do at this point. Um, but, Chip, what I'm going to ask you is, let's say the New York Knicks are able to move Carmelo Anthony, and they have that 15th pick, they get a guy like Jackson. Do you think he can come in right now and have an impact and, and probably fill the void of Carmelo Anthony, or at least in the future perhaps – fill that that role because that those are pretty big shoes to fill well i don't think he will ever be able to come near the production of carmelo anthony but i think he'll be able to score a little bit for them and i think he's going to be a good defender uh i think i'm not sure he's a starter long term in the league i think he's probably more of a role player so but in the NBA draft, uh, you know, late lottery, uh, right outside the lottery, 15, that's typically where you get, like, good role players. You don't get, like, starters at that point. So, yeah, I think he has a chance to be a really good role player for them. I'm not sure if he'd be ready to slide in for Mello right away next year. So, definitely wouldn't be able to pick up that kind of scoring slack for sure. Yeah, I'm with you, Chip. I agree 100%. Even just looking at you know some of his numbers from last year, um, nothing really screams out to me. I know he had averaged 18 points a game, but you know I I, I watched him quite a bit uh, a few times this season, and I, I'm with you. I think he's more of a, a role player, so that's why I think you know if Carmelo Anthony is still there and the Knicks were able to obtain it. I think he would be a, a good fit for the bench. I think um, if Carmelo Anthony isn't there, I don't know if he's a guy that's going to be the future replacement either. I think he his career is probably going to be off the bench where he'll have an impact for. I don't think he's somebody that's going to ever really come into um, a full-time starter and, and become a star. He's a nice player, good, good solid player to have, but – there's some concern about me thinking or, or at least not really seeing him evolved as a you know, a dominant starter in the league. And we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit now because we talked about if the Knicks get the 15th pick, he's one of the guys that would be the front runners to go ahead and grab. Um, but like I said, I think if the Knicks get another pick, 
I don't think it's going to be the 15th pick. I don't think the Knicks have anything really worthy of getting a 15th pick. Chip, would you would you agree with that? I think the 15th pick would be tough to pull off. Like you said, this is a really, really deep draft. And so Portland would probably want a lot to give up that 15th pick, maybe even more than one player, and definitely a future pick. So uh, they Knicks would probably have a better chance, to your point, of getting either their 20th pick or their 26th pick. They'd have to give up less. So, yeah, you're you're right about that. And There's a better chance of them getting one of those two. And, Steven, I'm going to ask you the same thing. Do you think that it's more likely for the Knicks to probably get, like, the 20th or, or 26th pick? Or if the Knicks were to offer somebody like just Courtney Lee, do you think – which one do you think would be more – likely for the Knicks to get, the 20th or, or the 26th pick? Um, honestly, I really like Courtney Lee, so um, I, I'd probably go 20. But another thing you got to remember is uh, Portland already has a ton of shooting guards. They have C.J. McCollum, Evan Turner, and Alan Crabb that they, they re-signed him last year. The Nets um, signed him to restrict the offer. So they're kind of already deep at the shooting guard position. They have a lot of guys, and they gave Evan Turner a ton of money. So I'm not even sure if they would want someone like Courtney Lee. But again, like I think Courtney Lee is a really good player. I was looking at some stats before and Courtney Lee is one of five players in the NBA to have shot 45% from the field, 40% from three and at least 86% from the free throw line. So he's and played 70 games. So, I mean, you gotta, you can't be hurt and, and average that. He's one of five players to average 45 from the field, 40 from three and 86 from the free throw line. And other four players, Portland Trailblazers, C.J. McCollum, Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry, and Malcolm Brogdon. So I think that Courtney Damn. Lee's stock is you know a lot higher than maybe some people saying saying it is. Because in my opinion, Justin Jackson, best case scenario, I mean, what, what can he be in the league? Maybe probably a Courtney Lee. So like a three and D guy. Yeah. So I, I mean, personally, I wouldn't give him up for twenty six because I think Courtney Lee's stock is a lot higher than people are saying it is. That's a good no, point. No, I wouldn't give him up for 26 either. That's a good no. point, especially what you made about uh, the, the Trailblazers having quite a few shooting guards. But I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I would not give him up for the 26 pick. And we, we talked about Courtney Lee on this show, so I think everybody knows how we feel about him and think he's a very productive player. So I think the 20th pick would be pretty fair. Um, but I, I think the 15th would be a reach. But let's just now shift it over. Let's say if the Knicks were able to get the 20th pick. Some of these late-round options that uh, we're seeing a lot of reports on uh, CBS Sports. I saw an article on that, picking some of these players that the Knicks can get later in the draft. And some of the names that come up are Caleb Swanigan from Purdue and Bam Eddie Bayo, uh, Bayo, excuse me, from Kentucky. And Chip, I'm going to start with you. If the Knicks had this pick, and I had between those two players, which one would you take? <laughs> I would take. I know you are not a big fan, but I would take Bam. Oh, Chip, don't do that. I would take. I would, <laughs> I would take Bam because what were the Knicks horrible at last year? They were. A, dreadful rebounding team. And while Bam's offense outside of the paint is pretty much anemic, he was a great rebounder last year. 
and he was a uh, he was a well he was a not a great offensive player like on lobs or whatever, but he was a threat on uh, alley oops, and that'll be like a pretty much what his uh, offense. I think I think his like ceiling would be like a DeAndre Jordan, maybe not like that kind of all star type player, but. Well- well, Chip, if the Knicks try and use him in that kind of role, like just throwing a lot of lobs to him, he could be successful. He's kind of built like a Dwight Howard. That's what I'm looking at, the 6'10", yeah. 250. And he, he is a big, big dude, but I, I wasn't that impressed by him. I'm really not. I, I think he – like you, you did say, he's not going to be the biggest offensive threat, but – I just you, you mentioned rebounding, and I'm on the other side of this. I, I really like Swannigan from Purdue, um, and, and you talked about rebounding. Swannigan, he's undersized uh, for you know power forward center position. He's only six foot nine. Um, he's two hundred forty seven pounds. Um, so a guy that that kind of be maybe a Keenest Fried type type player undersized power forward that's a good rebounder. But Chip, this guy averaged 12.5 total rebounds a game with 18 points and 32 minutes played. Uh, 54% from the field from two-point shots. Uh, and a three-point shot, which he might not have taken a lot. I am kind of I might look that up in just a second to kind of see. But I'm seeing that he was no, he a 40. Took a pretty good amount, I think. He's a 44 he percent like, three point shooter. Yeah, he really improved. Uh, yeah, he really improved because he was terrible. He was below 30 percent uh, his freshman year. So I got to give him a lot of credit for that. And I think the one thing that if you take look at somebody like Eddie Bayo, he's a much better defender. And I think that's another thing that the Knicks do have issues with. Obviously, it is their defense. They're very soft. Um, and Eddie Bayo's a guy that, that averaged nearly two blocks a game. Why Swanigan, I, I don't even think averaged a but No, he, he averaged uh, 0.8 blocks per game. So I, I think yeah. you're getting more I of think a... that's a concern with both of them. Yeah. Their defense. People didn't really consider Bam like a great defender and Bam wasn't like a a great defensive rebounder either he was more of like a dominant offensive rebounder with Bam for me a lot of it would be about his uh, potential I know uh that's not a word that like Phil Jackson wants to hear but I just think he's very he's very interesting as a prospect I know like you said Swanigan is a great rebounder and the three-point shot is definitely interesting, and it makes a lot of sense. But he's also a little undersized, and he's bigger, and he's not going to be able to run. I, I like. I think Bam's a very interesting prospect, and it's, I think he'd be a good pick. And Stephen, I'm going to ask you to kind of chime in here. You hear these two players. Um, sure. You know, you got to be the deciding factor here because me, me and Chip, we agree on a lot of stuff. But this might be one of the rare occasions yeah, that we. We don't agree with. I, I want Swanigan. I can't uh, remember the last time we disagreed. No, it's it's usually we're on the same page. So, Steve, you are kind of yeah. the split decision here. Which player okay. do you think would be the best fit for the Knicks? If it was Swanigan or Addie Bayo? 
So we're saying they got which pick? The 20 or the 26th? The 20th pick, yeah. We'll just say the 20th. The 20th. I think that anytime you kind of pass that 15-16 range in the first round, you don't really draft towards your needs because you don't know if these guys are going to make the team. So it's not a guarantee. Like, if you have a top 10 pick, obviously these guys are going to make your team and you say, okay, you know, we need a shooting guard, let's draft a shooting guard and everything like that. So that being said, I think that Swanigan is the better player overall. Um, so I'd probably go him. I could see Bam being, you know, you mentioned DeAndre Jordan. Uh, I, I don't think I would put him that high. I would probably go Tyson Chandler. Um, n- not the same defensively, obviously, but just like his game would would reminds me more of Tyson Chandler. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I think yeah. I think Swanigan is the better player overall. I think he has. You know, he is an offensive game, which Bam really doesn't have have any of. And, you know, he can always improve on the defense. <laughs> so I'd probably go Swanigan because he's the better player and you don't really draft towards your needs. Um, even though if, if Bam was ready right now and, you know, he was a legit starter, he would fit in right now better with the Knicks. Kind of like a Joe Kim Noah role, a defensive-minded uh, center, grabs rebounds, helps poisoning us in the lane and things like that, because Porzingis really didn't have any help in the lane this year. I mean, Billy Hernan Gomez wasn't a great defender. He didn't, you know, protect the lane. Noah played half the season. I mean, Plumlee was decent for the 10 minutes he was in the game, but Bam, right now, Bam would make more sense, but I think going forward, I I go Swan again, because he's probably going to be the better player. I agree. I agree. I think I've settled, Chip. It's Swan again. That's it. Uh, I think... I think... Bam is going to be a better player long-term. I think the Knicks probably don't have the luxury of waiting on a project, I guess, but I think going forward, right uh, next year, maybe Swanigan has a better year, but I think in five years, we're talking about Bam and we're forgetting about Swanigan. That's all I'm saying. Well, only time will tell, but... I liked his yeah. his performance yeah. last year. I mean, I watched him mostly in the the uh, around the tournament times, you know, and, and watching him play then. And I mean, he basically was Purdue basketball. Um, did everything for them. Uh, was the star of their team. So you know, when you have that, what when you take a look at um, at Bayo's um, role with Kentucky, I mean, he had Monk, he had Aaron Fox, so. Yes, you look maybe at his numbers probably being a little less because Kentucky's stacked. I mean, they're one of the top teams in the nation every year. When Purdue is not a bad basketball program, yes, the numbers can be kind of misleading because he was the main guy. But I I, I love the 18 points and the 12 rebounds. I like the double-doubles. I know it's college. It's not the NBA but it excites me, and I think that would be the poll question for our Twitter page this week, Chip. I think that's definitely what we're going to go with. Um, if we had a choice, if the Knicks got like the 20th or even maybe even the 26th pick, if it was Swanigan and Eddie Bayo still there, which would you pick? So for our listeners, be looking out for that poll and give us your insight. But I think that's going to wrap up the show today. Um, again, you can check out our podcast at EliteSportsNY.com under the radio section. You can also catch it on iTunes and SoundCloud. 
And Stephen, we want to thank you for coming on and being a part of the show. Uh, we appreciate your time. Anytime, anytime. We're going to wrap it up, but we will be back next week for another edition of the Nick State of Mind podcast.